12-pack radio. Get excited, y'all. Get your memorabilia pants on, everybody. This is the last Pac-12 football season in the history of man. This is 12-pack radio. We're excited to cover it. I'm Brian Conger. Thank you for joining us. This is a Sharp College Football Podcast. It's week, It's like week zero right now, but it's going to be week one since when you listen to this. It, right now, we're watching uh, USC's defense get kind of a little <laughs> bit embarrassed in the first quarter by San Jose State. We'll keep an eye on that as we go. I'm joined by Rob Barron, as always. We're going to break down every game for you um, from the beginning. FCS, we'll talk about it. Don't worry about it. We got to... Rob, okay, we did the Pack Eight in terms of our team previews, which is which is pretty good considering the Pack Eight, Pack Twelve was the Pack Eight, and now it's the Pack Four. So we got most of our team previews out. We'll try to flush out, talk about some of these teams when we go into the preview. So yeah. it's a little bit of a hybrid, a little bit of a hybrid episode. But I'm excited because college football is here. How are you, Rob? I mean, I'm excited. I mean, we are watching live actual Pack Twelve football as we speak. USC is currently driving again. Um, there, there, there have been some hiccups, <laughs> but it's early, right? Like, you know, like don't, don't small sample size. Don't draw too many conclusions, you know, too early. Um, because we also don't know much about opponents yet. Um, but yeah, I couldn't be more excited for college football to be here. Even as we, uh, as we sit through the last ride of the pac 12, right? Like these, it's 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 almost kind of like sad seeing these like Pac-12 network commercials and like the Pac-12 conference <laughs> commercials on Pac-12 <laughs> network. <laughs> Just like, oh no, like we're still doing these. It's like they had to set them all to that like Sarah McLaughlin song, McLaughlin song that they do for like the pets. <laughs> or they or they should just do even you know like normal a game will happen in both commercial that they do oh, just yeah. just plug in commercials from the rest of the pack 12 like you know we we, we could be creative we could open the studio space here and explore it if we really want to uh it, and and look this usc game that's going on right now great reminder great reminder of the spin doctors that happened at the beginning of preseason right tackus curtis tackus curtis is going to start at linebacker he's the first linebacker in the last 20 years to start he must be awesome I'm like well like Eric Gentry and Shane Lee were your linebackers last year, guys. So I don't know if you really had much of a choice. And then three three drives, and it's like, uh, you know, uh, basically, uh, he got replaced. You know, Eric Gentry yeah. is back in the game, starting in his in his rightful position as as a tight end that happens to play a linebacking spot. So, um, we'll we'll go down there. We'll go down there. Um. I mean, let's just get into this, right? Because because th- these episodes get really long, especially in the beginning, right? We have like twelve yeah. games to get through when it comes to uh, to to the opening season um, and week one. So let's let's start off right off the bat. So what we're gonna do, if you're watching this, the four teams we didn't cover, we're gonna get to them at the end. So I apologize, Florida fans. I apologize because you have the best game of the week, but we're gonna cover that. You'll be first of the last four at the end, but we're gonna get that to the end. Uh, and and what we're gonna try to do with these, Rob, is if your team is playing an FCS uh, game. We're not going to break down the spread. What we're going to say is here's what we're looking for, yeah. you know, as we watch these games. Kind of, you know, if your offensive line sucks, are, are they actually doing pretty well? You know, th- those types of things where you can at least plant a stake in the ground moving forward. But let's start Friday, September 1st at 8 o'clock p.m. on CBS Sports Network. The Stanford Cardinal take on Hawaii. They go to the island 
Um, and, and of course, like, the, you know, devastating news out of the island. So like, hopefully, and I know, I know like it's played a different place, but, um, but really, you know, this, I'm, I'm hoping that there, there will be some inspiration from this game, you know, from the team and the way that they play. Um, it's also something just to keep in mind as we're watching this here, Rob, you know, Stanford is a seven point favorite on the road and Hawaii, like if your team has played in Hawaii, you freaking know. Not yeah. an easy, like, you know, this Hawaii team is still putting itself back together, but they do play well at home. What do we got in this matchup, Rob? What are you, what are you looking for here? So, I mean, I think one of the things to keep an eye on here is, like, one, I mean, one of the things to keep in mind here is Hawaii still plays tonight. Like, they're in a lightning delay in Nashville, but, like, they're yep. going to, they have the advantage. Now, of course, if you're Stanford, you actually get some tape, but, like, you have the same coaching staff, you know, as last year at Hawaii anyway. But... You know, Hawaii is going to have a chance to get like some of the first game jitters and everything out, you know, before they play Stanford. I mean, the thing to watch out here, I mean, is you're going to if you're a Stanford fan is you're going to want to keep an eye on like because you're going to get you. This is where you get your totally new coaching staff in place. Who's you know how like last year in FCS, Troy Taylor's team was excellent at running the football. That was their bread and butter. Um, we haven't seen Stanford run the football very well in a very long time. I do expect them to run the ball and run the ball pretty well in this game. Um, but the question, of course, is like by how, you know, like how well do they do it? Um, Hawaii, of course, is still digging themselves out of the massive hole that Todd Graham left them in. Um, Hires matter, man. Hires matter. I know. But their defense, I mean, like their defense was horrendous. I mean, just Hawaii's defense was horrendous last season. 128 in beta rank overall. Very bad against the run and the pass. So Stanford, you're like, you'd like to see, you'd like to see them be able to move the ball around quite a bit in this game. And you'd like to be able to see them establish the run game that, like I said, like that's going to be Troy Taylor's bread and butter. Um, now you flip around to the other side of the football I mean, in Stanford, I mean, Stanford finished at 91 in beta rank last year, and they were horrible. Um, they were at 88 on defense. Now, Hawaii's offense is at 104 overall. Uh, no big run pass split for them. For, for Stanford, like, you'd like to see them be able to clean up their run defense last season. They were at 128 in beta rank against the run. They were terrible at stopping the run. That's awful. So you, 128 is like, and that's opponent adjusted. Yeah. Y'all like that's, that's pretty bad. That's so awful. you'd like to see them like, you'd really like to see. Yeah. Like, you, you know what, you know what uh, I was tweeting of like, is like Jay not somehow ended up on like everybody's radar. Right. Um, coming into this year. And it's not that he's bad. It's just that like 30, like almost 31% of his yards came against Arizona. Um, and then, <laughs> Like in just one game, like everybody's like, he's amazing. I'm like, like a third of his yards, a third of his yards came in one game. And then also they ran against Stanford. Um, Who's horrendous. Well, like, so j just to put things in, in perspective. So there, there was like this really famous, I think it was on like McSweeney's or so. It was like, it was one of those like off, you know, oddball websites. Um, and uh, hopefully McSweeney's isn't like problematic. If not, we'll cut this out. Of no, thing. Like, I, mean, I, I hope mean, not. I mean, okay, all right, good. <laughs> like, was, I haven't heard you, that. You never yet. know now. <laughs> um, and it was somebody writing basically about um, how many how many like fifth graders it would take to beat him up in a fight. Oh yeah, like how, how yeah. many? Like, I've heard this thought like, exercise. Like, 32. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. That's basically Arizona's run defense. Yeah. Right? Like how many how many offensive defensive linemen would it take to actually bring down Jade Knott? And it was a lot. So yeah. Is Jade Knott the the running back for Hawaii now? No, no, no. Sorry. I was just talking about like Stanford's run defense was really bad. And like they made they also oh, like okay. that's another place Cal put up some rushing yards. Um but for the Stanford defense, like what you want to see from them is in particular improvement in stopping the run. Like Hawaii was at ninety eight an effective rush, ninety seven an effective pass. I wouldn't say that there's like anything overwhelming to like look out for here in this game. They're only like they're only favored like Vanderbilt's favored by 17 against Hawaii. Stanford, I mean, of course, it is also on the road. Um, while Vanderbilt's got them at home, but you know, like Stanford's only favored by seven. Beta rank has it a little bit closer, but of course, Beta ranks projections don't see the coaching staff change. Um, I like Stanford, you know, versus that seven overall number. I think Troy Taylor's going to bring in some big changes and and look i mean i think their roster is thinner than maybe we thought and I, I think that there's probably still problems in the front seven but i think a better coaching staff is probably what the doctor ordered in large part to get stanford at least to being like more respectable than they were last year i don't i wouldn't necessarily like i'm going to hold off on saying good but like at the very least to like a bad power five team i think they can make that jump pretty easily with troy taylor the thing that, like so initially when i saw this line i thought Oh, Stanford going to Hawaii. Good luck with that. But, but obviously Hawaii's not what it, it's been in the past. Like when Timmy Chang was there, they won like 10 games yeah. and went to a, a BCS bowl. The thing, but the thing that, that really gives me pause is, is the exact point that you made where it's, it's can Stanford stop the run. And when you take a look at their defense, the one thing that they've done well is recruit size on the defensive line and their linebackers are still good. Like they, they yeah. have consistently, brought in good players and a lot of those guys didn't didn't leave. So what what was I guess the two questions I have and I know you, you rattle off the numbers but where was what was Hawaii's number in the pat like passing offense and defense uh, and I'm sorry passing offense and and rushing offense because I'm just curious how those the, the, those things match up. So they don't have a split. They were at 98 in effective rush, 97 in effective pass. Oh, 104 okay. overall. Um but also, I mean, like, I mean, I to be frank, too, is like as we talk about, I mean, this Hawaii team should be a little bit better than they were last season. I think they have. I mean, just because I think that the roster hole that Timmy Chang inherited was freaking enormous. <laughs> and and I yeah. do think that, like, we should expect them to have more holes plugged in the ship this time around, particularly on defense. So, I mean, I, I like, I'm, I'm interested to see this. Cause like I said, like, I mean, it's, it's, it's a pretty interesting tell that Vanderbilt is basically, you know, if you take out the home, like on a neutral field, Vanderbilt's about 15 and Stanford, you know, Vegas has Stanford at like nine and a half, <laughs> like on a neutral, you know, um, like that tells you even where, and I don't that I don't think Vegas has like Vanderbilt projected as some amazing team coming into this year at all. It's not like Vegas is like, oh man, we're all in on Clark Lee. Like Vegas is Vegas has doubts about the Stanford team too. Yeah. All right. Um, my my biggest worry would be the secondary for Stanford because I think they're just paper thin. Yeah, and Dwayne Keene is not there if, anymore. Yeah, yeah, that's a big problem. And if Hawaii like was at 97 last year, you know, the, the odds that they really put that together, I'm a little bit skeptical on that. I just I just don't trust Stanford going on like a basically halfway around the world <laughs> to play to play Hawaii. Um, <coughs> I'm going to take the 7 
I'm not super confident on this. When I first saw the line, I was really excited about it. And then when I really broke it down. I just thought like, oh, well, actually, the front seven of Stanford will be pretty good. I'm just curious. To, what, what the thing that I'm going to look out for is can, <clears throat> can pa, uh, Patu stay on his feet? And how bad is that line? Because Stanford has some interesting players yeah. on the offensive line. But they don't have any depth at all. And if Hawaii comes out like you know on fire, which they've done in the past, especially those games, the first games at home, the defensive line, the front seven, they're aggressive. They can do stuff. They can they can make you nervous. So I'll I'll take the seven. I'm not a big fan of this, but I, I just Stanford on the road putting the offense together against Timmy Chang. You know, like you mentioned, this this Hawaii uh, team in general should be a little bit better than they were. I'll take Hawaii. What about you, Rob? I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Stanford. I'm gonna I'm gonna buy in. I mean, I really. Some of it is that I, I get to peek at like the FCS stats for Troy Taylor, Sacramento State last season. And I like, I, I think that the offense is going to be a lot better than we think. And that's not, I mean, they were horrible last year and they haven't been really good in a while. Um, but I think the offense has a shot to be really respectable. And Hawaii's defense, like I said, like at 128, like it's still hard. Like I think that's a long, as, as we've, as we're watching sometimes with USC and people that are just like, oh, we just rebuild out of the portal. Like it's hard to rebuild defense quick. Um, yeah. And so I, I, I think Stanford's going to be able to run the ball. I, I, I'll take Stanford. Okay. All right. Saturday, uh, September 2nd at noon on the Pac-12 Network, we have Oregon taking on Portland State. This is that stereotypical, you know, play the FCS team, get all your cobwebs, you know, swept up, get things in order before you start playing the tough teams. So let, we won't spend too much time on this. I mean, obviously, Oregon returns Bo Nix. The, the offense is going to be solid. The defense is, is really where I'm going to be looking because if Portland State puts up like 21 points, I'm going to be like, oh, my gosh, this stuff hasn't been fixed. I don't expect that. I do think this defense is going to be better than it was last year. Second year, um, Lanning, you know, kind of made his bones on the, on the defensive side. But that is really the area where I'm like, can – how how – how many points are we going to give up to this Portland state team? What do you think, Rob? Yeah, I agree. I mean like this Portland, I mean like the, everything that you are going to want to know in this game is like, how do we, what should we think about this? What should we think about this defense? Right? Like coming into this year. Um, and truthfully, you know, like this, this Portland state team, they were in <coughs> a pretty tough big sky last year, but they were at 78 overall in the FCS um offensively they ran the ball much better than they passed it they were at 32 in effective rush and 70 in effective pass um they had a really bad defense last year so that's a bit of a watch out like Oregon should be able to put up points at will um but coming into this game you know what you like what you, like you talked about what you'd really like to see is you'd like to see Oregon clean up what they were doing defensively now they were the least bad of the bad defenses last season in the Pac-12 amongst the teams that had good offenses and bad defenses. Um, they're at 73 in effective pass. Portland State's probably not going to challenge that very much, but they were only at 27 in effective rush. You'd like to see them really, and they should absolutely be able to shut down Portland State's running game here. So there's not much to see in this game. The only thing like we often talk about with FCS games is like it's only news if it's close. I think the offensive line is going to be fine. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, say what you want about Chris ball. Like that was his, that was the crux of how he built a team. So you're going to see that for a while. They're going to continue recruiting there. The offense is going to be the same, but that defense, can we actually, um, I, I guess the other thing too is, um, uh, Popo and, uh, uh, Taki, uh, I think it's Tamiani, it, the two, the two big guys in the middle, basically, uh, can they just, can they just wreck havoc? Because, 
they they were good. Like, and, yeah. and they have some pedigree to them. Like, can they actually be what they could be? There were some injuries last year. I'm curious what that looks like. And then after that, it's just, you know, who, who's starting basically in the secondary and can they, can they stop the pass? But like you mentioned, I don't think Portland state's going to challenge them there much. And a little bit uh, like what, is, what does the offense look like under Stein? I mean, I, I doubt they're, I mean, I doubt they're going to roll out everything. I mean, they're not pulling out all the stops in this game, right? Like, um, they'll be saving some stuff, you know. Um, but I'll be, I, I'll be interested to see what the offense looks like to Understein. That'd be something to keep an eye on. A real fun game to keep a lookout for would be at twelve thirty p.m. on ABC. So national audience, Boise State goes to Seattle to take on the Huskies. Uh, Washington is a fourteen and a half point favorite. So you got that hook there, and. I'm curious what this Boise State team, like what your projections are for that, because we know what Washington is, right? The offense is going to be really good. The defense, I mean, it was a mess last year. How It's going to be, I think, less of a mess, but I still think it's going to be bad. But I'm just curious, like this Boise State team is decent. They yeah. had a decent year in the Mountain West. So what can they exploit from this defense of Washington? Well, so we have... So Boise's projected at number 70 overall in beta rank. Like the Mountain West has been down for a little bit and Boise's still been good within the Mountain West, but like the Mountain West overall hasn't been that good. So like you could you don't have to be that great to be good in the Mountain West. Um beta rank has this at 17 in the projection model, Washington favored. Um but the thing to keep an eye on I think here is like Boise last year their offense graded out at 67 overall. Um they were at 37 in effective rush. So like it I'm interested to see can Boise throw the ball at all because that was really Washington's problem last year they couldn't stop the pass at all 113 an effective pass um but Washington was only at 30 an effective rush so Boise with 37 an effective rush like I'm I'm interested to see like can Boise run the football here if they can that might open things up for them um so if you are Washington what you'd really like to see of course is is you know that you would like to see them slow like you'd like to be able to slow down Boise's run game um and I don't know if you like necessarily want to rely on your pass defense, but you definitely like to put Boise in a position where they're uncomfortable, even if it's your weaker suit. Um, yeah. And then I would say Boise's defense last year, Andy Avalos is a pretty good de- you know, defensive coach on his own. They were at 42 in beta rank last year on the defensive side of the football. Um, 34 in effect or effective rush versus 54 in effective pass. That's not the split you want versus Washington. Of course, who was number one in effective pass last year and is likely of course to throw it around and light you light him up again. Um, I just think defense defensively, they're going to be good enough to make it at least fun to watch for a little bit. Um, the question of course, like if you're a Washington fan is like, this is not a great, I mean, this isn't a great offense last year. They might finish somewhere. I mean, if they, even if they have improvement on the offensive side of the football, they might finish somewhere in the like fifties range. You know, like if you're Washington, you absolutely need to see your defense slow them down this year. Um, and you like Washington needs to cover this like 14 points. Um, versus Boise like Washington was like if you're a Washington fan and like Boise's able to put up points and like put this to like 10 like that that would be pretty uncomfortable yeah give me Washington I I, I the, the things the thing I'm looking at here is 
they're going to be able to throw the ball around, right? Like, I mean, that, that that's that's the biggest thing. So where points aren't going to be a problem. The one thing to keep in mind is Cam Davis is injured, so he's out for the season, ACL tear, yeah. um, and 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 the the preseason, which is a total bummer. But they have people behind him, Dylan Johnson, Daniel, and they got a Richard Newton, who I've always liked. So I, I think the running game, but like, right. That, this offense isn't built on the running game. The offense is pass, pass, right. pass. And holy Moses, you look down this line, you're like, they're yeah. going to get their points. So I, I was hesitant, right? Because it's Boise and like, you have that name right. and oh, it's, it's the, the David of Goliath. I just, I just think Washington's going to put up so many points on this team where they're going to push it out of the way. Um, and I'm not a big fan of the defense, but I just think that they're able to stretch that and really force uh, Boise to throw the ball a lot more. And I know that that could be good or bad. Right. <laughs> but I just think they're going to put this game out of reach against a, a Mountain West team that's good but not great. And that's what they should do at home. Yeah, I like Washington too in this game. I mean, I think that um, they're going to put up enough points to like force Boise to try to stretch to keep up with them. And I just don't think Boise can can throw to keep up with them, even as bad as Washington's pass defense was last year. Yeah. Next game. What a stupid game. I love I love these. I love these games. Uh, one o'clock p.m. on ESPNU. Cal goes to Denton, Texas. Going up north. It, it says North Texas, basically Dallas. It's the it's the, it it's is, the yeah. Dallas suburbs up north. Yeah. Uh, to face the Mean Green, if I recall, the the North North Texas Mean Green. New coaching staff, as I recall. I know you've been kind of diving more into some of these teams in the off season and what they are. Uh, Cal is a seven point favorite on the road against a power. Uh, uh what do they call it? Group of five yeah. team. I mean, they, they just named they just named their quarterback, right? It's it's the um uh it's the TCU transfer uh yeah. Sam it's, it's Sam Adams. I could go back and look. Um, he's, very he's gonna run the yeah. ball everywhere. Yeah, right. <laughs> You're not gonna throw it much. Right. I mean, this game's interesting. Like last season, if these two teams had played, like North Texas is probably the favorite in that game, not by a lot. Um but North Texas had a good offense last year. They have a good quarterback in uh, Austin Ani um, to keep an eye on. He is also fairly mobile, but can throw the ball as well. Like they were a dangerous offense, 47 overall in beta rank. Um, they sat at 43 in drive efficiency. Um, they, they, this is going to be an interesting matchup, I think versus Cal here because like Cal's defense finished at 57 in beta rank last year. Um, that's not great. Like I just, I mean, look, I just I'm not sold on what Wilcox is doing on the defensive side of the football anymore. Um, I I think North Texas is going to be able to move the football and put up points in this game. I think what's interesting is like North Texas defense is really bad. One on one overall. Um, Cal finished offensively at 87 last season. Really bad. Um, I think the the new quarterback in there could potentially help. Um, the new offensive coordinator could potentially help. I just I think this game's a lot closer to, to a toss up than people think. Um, even with like, because North Texas wasn't as bad as their record last year. Like North Texas like had a bad record. They fired their coach. New coaching staff comes in. Of course, it's the guy that was like the offensive coordinator for Washington State, but he's not calling plays at least <laughs> for for North Texas. Um, but I think that that if that system that he runs with a different offensive play caller, I think can really work. Um, at least it did it incarnate word. So I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant to take Cal at seven. I know that sounds like the, like I'm just dumping all over Cal. It's just really hard. Um, because I've actually watched some, I've, 
being the you know college football addict that I am, I've watched North Texas, and like that quarterback is pretty good. Oh, that that worries me, and I apologize, Cal fans. I I mixed up our founding fathers, uh, Samuel Adams, with our other founding father, Samuel L. Jackson, who who had broke many barriers on his own. So Sa- Samuel Jackson, Sam Jackson, is the starting quarterback for Cal. That worry. Okay, so so I was going to take Cal because Cal in these in these non conference games have been pretty good. The power the the group of five team gives me a little bit more hope. I do think that Jackson is going to get a lot of points in this game. <coughs> My worry now, when you're talking about when you're talking about North Texas and them being able to put up points, that worries me because I think they are. If if you think that this offense is good, I think that this defense is going to have some problems. So I'll take the points. I'll take North Texas. Man, yeah, Austin on like see so last season, like he he didn't have a great completion percentage, right? He was only fifty six percent completion percentage, but he did get eight point six per. But he added, oh yeah, I say only added fifty two yards on the ground. But like they they put up points last season. They ran the ball pretty well. They had a couple ball carriers that had um, eight hundred yards, both of whom were sophomores. Um, they had another ball carrier who's also a sophomore who had six hundred yards. Um, and another sophomore who had 246 yards, like they can move the football around. So like, I, I like seven, I don't know. I mean, it sounds like one of those ones where you're like, Oh, you should just automatically take the power five team, but like it's on the road. Cal does dumb things occasionally. And I just, I'm, I'm sorry. I just, I can't buy into this defense. I think they're going to give up some points here. Like I think Cal's going to find themselves in a tough game. I mean, Vegas does too. It's only one possession. Yeah. And then when you take a look, I guess one more thing to add to this is, it's early in the season and there is no continuity to this defense. This is all transfers. It's UNLV, San Diego state, a Clemson backup that has, that never, never played a, a dime basically at, at Clemson, uh, a Utah transfer that didn't see the field in Salt Lake city. Like I could, I could see them trying to figure some stuff out, yeah. right. And especially with, with a dangerous quarterback. Okay. All right. I feel a little bit better about that. Cause I came in thinking, okay, you know, Cal on the road, whatever, they're going to be able to put up points, but uh, yeah, this is kind of a duct tape and chicken wire defense and betting against them early is probably the right thing to do. Yeah. I mean, some, I mean, like I'm not going to, I wouldn't take Cal on the, I wouldn't take North Texas on the money line, but like you give me seven points. Like I'm going to take the mean green. San Jose state scored again, by the way, it's 14, 21. So like, I dumbest, love it. Oh man. Like <laughs> Alex Grinch is a beautiful, beautiful human being. Just keep him, just keep him around while you move to the big 10. Why, why don't you, uh, USC? Let's see what happens on that. I'm sure it's a great idea. Lots of games to come up, including the USC game against Nevada, which you know, who the heck knows what that line is going to be. We're going to get to that right after this. And right after that, this means me betting the <laughs> second half line. <laughs> USC game. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back, everyone, to Tool Pack Radio. We are going through week one games. Week one games. We'll get into to season four here. I feel like this is a little choppy. We normally we, we do that. We do the the um the the different matchups between the different units, Rob. So I'll try, I'll try to to direct this conversation in in a couple ways here. Um, 
I'm going to skip over this USC Nevada game for now. The line, by the way, is 38. That was the op- uh, not the opening line, but the line headed into tonight. And of course, USC is playing San Diego, uh, San Jose State. They are winning by seven at the half. Let's, in the meantime, go to Washington State. This is going to be at four o'clock p.m. on Saturday on CBS Sports Network. Washington State, a 12-point favorite. On the road at Colorado State at Canvas Stadium. Canvas Stadium. Um, I thought Colorado State was in is in a, uh, Colorado Springs. This is Fort Collins. It is in Fort Collins. Air Force oh, is man. in the Springs. Oh, snap. Totally forgot about that. Okay, okay. 12-point favorite. 12-point favorite. Uh, obviously, some coaching changes on both sides uh, here. You have a new offensive coordinator at Washington State. Uh, second year coach here as uh, as a Nevada coach moved down to Colorado State and he's building his program there. Um, let's okay. Let, let's talk about what Colorado State is, Rob, and then let's try to do those matchups like the you know the the running defense versus the running offense, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So Colorado State finished at one twenty seven in beta rank last year, even after the Norvell hire. Um, they really struggled on the defensive side of the football. One oh six there. Um, they offensively they were they were just horrible they were at 127 overall in beta rank on offense last year um i'm just not yeah this i mean this colorado state team like they did they did invest the money they have the new brand bank and new stadium in place um and they did go out and hire norvell from nevada which was a good hire it just i their roster appears to be in a lot more trouble um that i think a lot of people thought coming into or through last year and then even coming into this year beta rank has this right now it has colorado state projected it to improve up to 124 but has washington state projected at 54 um got a 94 percent win probability for washington state there and about 20 20 points on the road i scoff at the robots i scoff at the robots rob i scoff at math okay that's that's a big that's a big spread that's a big spread between what beta rank has and what the actual line is here. I know. Um, let, let's let's deep there and here's there's a couple reasons here that that are more like coaching development related, right? So second year under Norvell, he brought some of his players with him to Nevada, and just from what I've read about Colorado State, they feel better more about the the, the continuity and some of the players that they've been able to bring in. Um, where they think they can make a little bit of noise. Um, I'm curious about that because when I take a look at Washington State, I mean, I, I don't trust their quarterback. I trust their defense, but their defense lost some really good players right, last year. That's true. Um, they're on the road at elevation, and I know, yeah, look, it's, it's hard to play at Washington State. I know that, but they are playing at Colorado State. I think this game could get a little hairy. Like, I, th- this isn't a. Yes, Colorado State is is on par with Washington State. I think that the talent is different there, but it's not like Washington State has one of the best talented rosters in the Pac-12. I just think that this can be one of those opening games where it takes Washington State a little bit of time to kind of make those gears start moving, and and I just I just don't trust the quarterback play. Like even even against a bad a bad defense, I think this could get I think this could get a little bit weird. The counterpoint to that is they have a new offensive coordinator. So yeah. this, this offense could be significantly better than it was last year. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of the problems last season was the offensive coordinator just wasn't very good. Um, but I do, I am with you. I also have questions about Cam Ward. I just, I think that they should be like offensively last year, they were a bad power five offense, 62 overall. Um, now they, 
did have a significant run pass split. They were at 34 in effective pass, 87 in effective rush. Now, Colorado State did not defend the run well. They were at 120 in effective rush last season and 67 in effective pass. So at least they match up fairly well. I'm interested to see, though, because I do think Washington State is, is smart enough to run the football if it's there um, mm-hmm. against Colorado State. And it certainly was last season. Um, and then I think the... On the other side of the football, I mean, this offense was just horrendous last season. 127 overall, 123 in effective pass, 129 in effective rush. Um, Now, Washington State's defense was at 35 overall. Even, I think, with the player losses, I like the coaching staff enough. Like, even if they drop down to, like, 50 overall in beta rank, like, I still think they're going to be good enough to really throw a wrench in what Colorado State's doing offensively. I mean, I like... Norvell's you know I like to hire I mean he's got Hal Mummy's kid calling the offense so like they're gonna they're gonna look to throw the football um but I do think that I mean I do think that Dickert you know I think he runs a really solid defense I think he's got a good defensive coaching staff even though they did lose their DC to Arizona State so I I mean what was the line again from Vegas 12 I'm going to take Wazoo here. Like, I think the new offensive coordinator is a big thing for them. Yeah. I think the better move here, now that I'm looking at this, so the over, the the total in this game is 56, which isn't super high. I think that's basically average when it comes to an over. I just think this game could get sloppy. Yeah. And Colorado State might not be able to put up points because, look, I don't think Washington State's defense is going to be as good as it was last year, but it will still be well coached and they'll be able to to know what's going on in the game. I trust the coaching staff on that. And I just trust Cam Ward to throw some picks and do some dumb stuff. Um, So it's it's possible. It's possible that this game is like 28-10 or something stupid. Um, I think that's probably the better move. I'm going to make a note of that here um, j- just because I just I don't trust both these teams on offense yet. So um, I'm going to take the 12. I don't like it. Like, I'm not going to bet this game. I'm just going to watch it for fun. But I will likely be on that under. I'm just curious to see what these offenses are like. And, you know, if, if they beat me this time, well, shame on me. You know, it's just 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 starting the season here. Taking Wazoo on the road, Rob. OK, okay I, I know. I, I know. That. Like, I'm not I don't trust Cal, but. Colorado State was so bad. Like, they really have to prove it to me. They were the worst teams in college football last year. And we saw Washington State live take take, uh, take some of the town on the road. Yeah, that, that, was, also so an ex- that was also an experience. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the thing here is if, if Colorado State, if you're, if you're a Wazoo fan, if Colorado State moves the ball at all, that's a problem because right. your defense should be able to right. stop. Oh, and if you're not really able to move the ball either like all that much like Washington State should be able to like with the new offensive coordinator like you want to see Cam Ward comfortable and making throws not like last year where it was just like are these guys like there it really it parts of that Wisconsin game it genuinely looked like he and his wide receivers actually were like running a different play (laughs) it was bad it, we'll find it could be chicken and egg, yeah. right? Is it Ward or was it the coordinator? Right. We'll find out. Here. Well, hopefully, I mean, look, um, if it turns out that if, like, if Ward is still struggling, it's time to go to another quarterback. Here's the game that worries me, Rob. Saturday at 7.30 p.m. on ESPN, UCLA hosts Coastal, Car- Coastal Carolina. Oh, yeah. UCLA should win this game. I, I UCLA, it's, I've had my tail between my legs multiple seasons in a row. 14 and <laughs> so, so here's the problem. So it's 14 and a half is the spread. 
Chip Kelly gives zero craps about uh, you know non non conference games. That's the worry here. Um, I'm curious though, like. Obviously, Coastal Carolina, uh, Chadwell goes to, you know, their coach ends up going to Liberty, the guy that built that program. A lot yeah. of teams left this Coastal Carolina team. This is not a returning production team, if I recall. I'm curious what the, what the right. numbers say on that. What, what, is, what, what, is, what does the model say about Coastal Carolina? And then we'll try to match up the, uh, the matchups here. So it has them projected at 74. It's got UCLA projected at 21. Um, I think to your point on how much returning production they have, um in the last update on there now they do have a decent amount now they did lose the quarterback you're right um but they have 20 they're 22 on offense 16 on defense and returning production that actually does help them project up a little bit um Baderank has this at uh 16 points for ucla um which i feel pretty good about i mean i'm gonna tell you why <laughs> so i mean to your point you're not wrong i do think that chip kelly um does not care <laughs> fundamentally <coughs> and i do think that there's some potential where like at least in week one there's some potential that like the offense has some growing pains i think early on in the season because they do have they're going to have a new quarterback you know in place um but what i think here's why i think that like Coastal Carolina's defense stunk last season. Hold on one sec. Are we, are we sure Grayson McCall is gone? I'm pretty sure he's back. Oh, he's back? Okay, sorry. So he's back. Yeah. Um, yep. So, But they were at 120 on on defense at beta rank last season. UCLA oh, was number oh eight on offense. Um, yeah. UCLA was at number four in effective rush last season. We've talked about this. Like, we fully expect them to be able to run the football plenty well still. Um Coastal Carolina was 102 in effective rush. Like you could definitely run against them, but they were at 127 in effective pass last season. So like, I don't think that like, even if UCLA, like even if no matter who the quarterback is, like, I think they're going to be able to throw the football. I think they're going to find openings like, like Coastal Carolina is not as good as they were the last time they played. Um, at UCLA now offensively that was their bread and butter with Chadwell um you know like last you know and, and during his tenure um they did run a really fun offense with him they're 55 overall in beta rank last year 52 in effective rush 47 in effective pass like there's a, I mean it's a really fun offense it's it's going to be interesting to see what they actually run this year and what they're good at ucla of course like we do we do like the defensive coordinator higher and i think that that will help um but they were at 62 in effective rush last year which is definitely the better number like coastal carolina is going to present you with a lot of interesting run looks um the question of course for ucla is the the back end defending the pass we do have questions um they're at 91 in effective pass last year um, and they appear to be paper thin on the depth chart this year as well. I'm going to take Coastal. Okay. Um, I, I think UCLA wins this game. I think they score points. But I think, to point, right, I'm, I totally get, I think the higher on paper looks good. And I hope it is. And I, and I think it's going to be better than what they've had with um, with Musgrave and, and Azanaro, right? But I think both of, those, uh, both of those hires ended up being on the field just yeah bad yeah you know bad selections yeah i, I mean i still think that ahead. well yeah I, I still i and i don't i don't think ucla well not i don't think i know ucla hasn't recruited well on defense yeah 
And if you're giving me Chadwell for one more year, I, ju- I just see this game where Coastal just hangs around and they makes it they make it dumb, like like it, dumb in the best possible college football way, where you're like, this is the best, like this is so stupid. Why can't you stop this team? Yeah. Um, but I think I think UCLA is going to turn around and do the same darn thing on them. Um, the over here is 65. I mean, I think this can get I think this can get out of hand yeah. in terms of how many points are scored. Um, and if you're going to give me 20. Uh, or 21 of them from uh, from Coastal, I think UCLA can make up the most of that on there, and I think they're going to put up a ton of points in this oh, game. Oh, yeah, I think UCLA's um, going to... I think like, the only thing that's going to stop UCLA from scoring is turnovers. G- give me Coastal, um, and I'm I'm for sure going to be on the over. I think I think the over is low here, and, and it's high because it's 65, but for this game, I just think there's going to be a ton of points. It's going to be a fun back-and-forth game. Um, and, and one of the things, regardless of who the quarterback is for UCLA, Chip Kelly knows when to run the ball. Like yeah. that's just, he knows when to do that. And I think they're going to do that. And if it works, he's not going to stop doing it. And in fact, I think he would prefer to do that with a freshman quarterback if that's what they're going to throw out on the field, which is, which is pretty much what it's looking like. So, um, yeah, give me coastal, give me the points. I'm taking the over. What do you think, Rob? I'm going with UCLA. This, call me crazy. I think the, I think I, I have that much faith in Chip Kelly running the football down their throat i think the new clock rules are going to speed things up a little bit with the way the bruins are going to run the ball in this game um and i don't i honestly like the i mean the the engine that made this coastal team work was jamie chadwell's offense so like i'm just i'm i'm kind of like i don't know what we're going to get out of them like it has to be really good for this team to work yeah yeah that that makes sense um okay well we'll see we disagree on that one but I, i see where you're coming from We'll we'll take a look here. A few more games to get to. Oregon State, San Jose State, USC, Nevada. We got two teams that are playing right now that are actually <laughs> going to be playing next week. So it's cheating a little bit. It's cheating a little bit, but that's okay. Um, and then we're going to go to all the teams that we didn't cover in our uh, our conference previews. We'll do that right after this. All right, we're back. Go on the back half, the back nine of the Pac-12 here. Oregon State. Let's do Oregon State. All right. Number 18, Oregon State, which is stupid, by the way. That's so dumb. Uh, number 18 ranked Oregon State uh, preseason comes into this game. They go on the road to San Jose State um, on a Sunday, Rob, 12.30 p.m. on CBS National Game, National Game Sunday. And they come in as a 17 and a, and a half point favorite against San Jose State. Um, what, what do we have? I mean, we're watching this game now. We kind of know a little bit about San Jose State, but what do, what do the numbers say about them yeah. last year? What are the projections? And then we'll kind of go into Oregon State. Well, here. I mean, they're a pretty effective passing team. I mean, they were at number 66 overall on beta, or I'm sorry, 76 overall on beta rank last year. They were at 66 on offense. Um, coming into this year, we've got them uh, totally spacing. We've got them projected at 73, so a little bit of improvement. Um, We've got Oregon State projected at 17. They finished last season at 16 overall. Um, but Oregon State, like we've talked about, like I think that we like them to improve. They were at 35 overall on offense last year and were incredibly one-dimensional. <laughs> they were in, uh, on offense. Um, San Jose State, they were at 83 overall in defense last year. They definitely mm. struggled. They, they didn't have a big run pass split or anything like that, though. Um, but they struggled was drive efficiency. You could put together long drives against San Jose State. Like now we are, I feel like we're cheating a little bit. We have seen the first half against USC for the San Jose State team. I wouldn't say that it's been anything beyond like a 
be like that would blow us away versus what we saw last year from the San Jose State team. Okay. I, one one of the questions I have, like you mentioned, they're they're in the eighties on defense. Yeah. So I'm assuming the rush defense is in the eighties too, or what, what? What was that number? Yeah. So their run defense, the they actually their their pass defense and re, run defense graded out at eighty two overall, both. Um, oh. So I mean, like the B, I mean the beef should be able to come in and run the football pretty effectively in this game. Um, yeah. I mean, I will say, like, you know, what we've seen from them versus USC so far is they've been a bit, they've been fairly aggressive um, in trying to get after Caleb Williams. Um, But I mean, I think our questions of like, you know, like whether Oregon state's going to cover, like some of it's on the offense. I think it's much more for me around the defense. Cause like Cordero is good. He's a transfer from Hawaii. He can move. Um, He's got some decent wide receivers. Like they, they were at 32 in effective pass last year. And of course the Beavs lose a lot in that secondary in particular that they're going to have to replace. Like we've talked about, I don't think the defense falls off the map, but I wouldn't be surprised to see them more in the high twenties, maybe low thirties than I would, you know, like see them in the top 10 again. Um, Now what San Jose state did not do great was run the football. They were one of two in effective rush. Um, And the Beavs were good against the run last season, but like the main thing you have to do against San Jose state is you've got to contain Cordero. Now they did it. I I would say like, I thought they did a pretty good job last year when they played mobile quarterbacks. But um, I mean, just from watching USC struggle with that in this game, like that is a, that's a big problem (laughs) when you play San Jose state. The biggest matchup here, like, so to your point, I think Oregon State is going to control clock and control this game yeah. um, through the run. Like they'll, they're going to be able to run the ball. Um, and what will be interesting for me is, I mean, I, I think San Jose is going to stack that box and try to stop it as much and force DJU. So like we're going to get a real good feel of what DJU yeah. is in terms of a quarterback, like immediately, because that box is going to be totally stacked. And and what his wide receivers are are those the bummer is we're not going to have the all twenty two. I want to see if those wide receivers actually get open because that's my biggest hesitation. I don't think they're that good. Yeah. Um, but who knows? Maybe you got a, a wide receiver or two that that ends up breaking through. We don't know yet. On the other side, I just like and and we, and we talked about this off air, like you know, in, in the live stream. But basically, I was going to take seventeen and a half before I saw uh, this game against USC because I just. I don't. I want to see. A, it's on the road, but I want to see U.S. Uh, uh, Oregon State's defense prove it. They lost a lot of players. Yeah. Um, seniors, uh, NFL talents, transfers uh, out of the program that went up to to play to better programs. I just think that that San Jose State is going to be able to put it like seventeen and a half is a lot. If this was fourteen, I think I take the beeves. If you're going to give me an extra seventeen, at like and and push me past the key number, I'm going to take San Jose State. I'm fascinated by this game. Like. Of all the games on this, this I mean, there, there's some really interesting ones, but like this is what this is the hipster game of the year, like uh, or, or of week one. Right? Can Oregon State hang with San Jose State? Can they step on the throat and really keep going? Because if they do, like, like I'm immediately impressed yeah. because like San Jose State isn't isn't a monster. It's not like you're going out and playing Florida at home, which is which is what Utah is doing. We'll get to that. But they're a good <laughs> enough team where if they really take it to the house, then that's great news. If if you're in Corvallis, I mean, Beta Ring's got this at 16. Um, you know, almost at 16 and a half. I, I'm with you though. I like, I like San Jose state here. I think that, um, I think Oregon state's 
going to pull away. I think it's probably around 14 points feels about right. If they can get it above 14 and get it to three possessions, then that's wonderful. Like good for you guys for, for nailing that down. Um, I just think the San Jose state team, like this is Codero's second year in the system. Um, I think they should be able to, to get out there and like, I think that they will be obnoxious and put up some points, you know, here. And to your point too, like Oregon state's really got to prove it. Like, I think they're going to run the ball fine. Right. And I think they're going to run the ball in San Jose state fine. Um, but can you actually like get eight guys out of the box, you know, with DJU you need to. So speaking of this game that's going on right now, let's move to USC who plays that they're, they're going to be the, the Kings of the mountain West Rob. They play Nevada um at home they are a 38 point favorite against nevada um and look like we're watching usc at this moment obviously they're having struggles they're getting the cobwebs out let's see what happens i think it's beautiful like i'm so curious to see what the line is later after this game because i think it probably dips down a little bit um but this nevada team as i recall was pretty garbage last year is that is that true and then they've had i mean they had a coach resign like coming into the early season like they're like there's definite turmoil um so yeah like i think people could overreact to usc what's going on with san jose state right now nevada finished at 124 in beta rank last year they were 126 on offense um 116 in effective rush, 119 in effective pass. I mean, really, really bad offensively. Um, they also <laughs> they also were at 117 on defense in beta rank, 114 in effective rush, 112 in effective pass. Now, USC has not looked sharp against San Jose State in good parts of this game. Um, and it, But I clearly, like, I think they're going to get it figured out. And I actually, I like them particularly after what is likely going to be a bit of a disappointment <laughs> against the San Jose state team. I like them to come out and actually put it to Nevada. I, yeah, I totally agree. I think, and I think this number comes down, so I would not bet this yet. I mean, you can bet it right now, but if you're giving me three more points or pushing me past a key number, I'm totally taking it. I, I just think that USC is just going to roll and smoke this team. Um, and I, I would be curious to see if the defense gives up more than 10 points. I just, this defense is terrible. Um, but Nevada is terrible. And like you mentioned, like there, it's been like, go ahead and if you, if you haven't been following this, go ahead and read the reports on what's going out in Nevada. It is a disaster. Yeah. And I could see this team just rolling over and giving up 60 points and like, that's it. And then, um, we might have to we might have to plant our flag on this early. Like no spread is too large for this Nevada team. Well, because like I mean, Norvell <laughs> left because there were significant questions about like commitment to football amongst the administration, and like I think those have continued. And um, and we were about to talk ourselves like USC is about to go down and score again. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so hopefully hopefully this line goes down a little bit. But yeah, give me give me thirty eight. I I think they're this this offense is way too good for what Nevada's had. This is one. This is gonna be one of the worst teams in the country, Nevada. All right, we're gonna go back to the teams that we haven't covered here, Robin, and and just try to highlight a little bit of what we have learned from them. Let's start with the biggest game of the week in the Pac twelve, which is Florida on the road at Utah. The bummer here, Rob, is we don't know what the health is uh, of of uh, Cam Rising. And I think that's going to make a really big deal. We saw in the past last year what happened when Rising wasn't in the game. 
I heard reports at a camp saying that Bryson Byrne is still the quarterback. If that's the case, um, I'm going to light a couch on fire and then mail it to uh, to the University of Utah Athletic Department because that is unacceptable. Either either you have not recruited well or you have not been able to develop somebody outside of Cam Rising, and that is worrisome. Um, it's a little hard to pick this game because we don't know. I think if Rising is in this game, seven is like a godsend because you know they're going to move the ball. I don't think Florida is that good. But what do the numbers say about Florida this year? So BetaRank has them projected at 19. They were, I mean, look, they weren't great last yeah. season, but they were a little better than there were. I mean, like a lot of teams in like a, a really good conference like the SEC, like you're going to take some L's. Um They've recruited really well, of course, uh, at Florida. They're it's at a 12 overall in their recruiting ranking. What kills them is they're just not returning much. They're at 113 in returning production, 102 on offense, 115 on defense, of course, like total turnover with Anthony Richardson moving on. Um, they have a new defensive coordinator in, uh, which I thought was interesting because like the the coordinator, Patrick Tony, that had come with uh, Billy Napier had sort of been Billy Napier's secret sauce when he was at Louisiana. Um, so they're retooling on defense. They were at 38 on defense last season. Um, their offense was a little bit better. Their offense last year, um, and part of it was, I mean, a lot of it was Anthony Richardson. Uh, their offense was at 15 overall in beta rank last season. They were at nine in effective rush and 37 in effective pass. Now this Utah team we talked about, like they were at number three in effective rush last season. They were at 17 overall on defense. 48 in effective pass that's uh, look i don't expect and and you shouldn't expect like napier prefers to run the football uh, we shouldn't expect them to come in and like you know throw the ball all over or anything like that um so i don't think that this is like this is still a pretty good matchup i think for utah's defense but um they themselves i think like i i like their front seven i think they have a real like i think they have a shot to be really really solid against the run um, and that could really help him in this game. But to like what to your point, right? Like, man, without rising, like it's really hard to project this defense from Florida, which finished at 38 overall last year. They were 24 at effective rush, 64 an effective pass. I just think that they're going to be better. Like the talent level is there. New coach, you know, new defensive coordinator coming in there. Like I'm not going to project them to be a top 10 defense, but I think them getting closer to like 25 ish is very reasonable. It could be a, it could be a long night if rising's not there against this defense. Right. Like, and that's not, I think they'll absolutely stop yeah. the run. Right. Like I, I think that they'll be able to, they have, they have the, they have the players. They're going to be able to stop the run. And then if you have to put it on the shoulders of a freshman quarterback that like can't break through or on, on Bryson bird or whoever, I forget the, the, if he's a walk on and we've seen him like I watched him I'm like that's trash I'm turning the right. TV off like this game is over like that's how bad it was and look we've all been there like you know better quarterback than anybody in my family will likely ever be right. but but you know when it comes to high level college football he's just not there on the other hand like I'm not so I'm not going to force you to pick on this because we don't know who the quarterback's going to be but if it is rising I'm pounding I'm pounding uh, Utah cuz you're giving me a couple extra points and I do think he's going to be able to move the ball. And I think that when we're talking about Graham Mertz being the starting quarterback at Florida against Utah's defense on the road in Salt Lake City against that crowd, like, <laughs> okay, like, you know, they will run the ball. But I think Utah's good at stopping that run. So if if it's if it's rising, I'm on I'm on Utah. Um, but if it's not like I'm on Florida, I think Florida can really stack the box, and and Utah's not going to be able to move. I mean, Bannerink has this closer to five. Um, I'm going to take Florida here. 
Like, like I'm with you. I mean, I just I look. I think. I mean, I I think Napier had a build has a build in front of him in Florida. I expect them to be a little bit better. I expect I, I particularly expect them to be a little bit better on defense. Offensively, though, I mean, man, like Anthony Richardson sort of carried them with his pure athletic talent last season. I'm yep. really interested to see what they are on offense too. You know, taking a look at Utah this year, just in terms of what they're going to be. I mean, we'll, we'll we'll have to go through this kind of quickly, right? Because because the podcast, good. but they return like legit production if Rising's healthy, right? Uh, Jaquindon Jackson yep. returns. Um, dude, that guy's six two, like two hundred and thirty pounds. Like, which is just, it's just funny to see him run. But like, you can tell he was putting it together. They've recruited exceptionally well at the running back position. So if he, I mean, he, I think he's going to work out. But they have options behind him. Uh, like. I, I know everybody was focused on the tight end last year, but like Brent Keithy returns and like he's good. Yeah. I thought he was like I, when he got hurt, I'm like, oh no, what are they going to do at tight end? Like, LOL, you know, they end up going to a walk on from San Diego State who ends up being a, like a second round draft pick to to fill in for him. Devon Vele comes back. Look, they're wide receivers, whatever. It is just kind of like smoke and mirrors, but he's decent. And then um, I think Micah Pittman, who's the transfer from Oregon, who transferred to Florida State, who transferred to Utah. Look, who knows? But he's supposed to be healthy. And I'm curious to see what he's like on the field. I think that there is um, some real continuity on the line. I think they only return one real starter and they have some depth behind that. I just... I don't know. I, I think this offense is going to be really solid so long as Rising's the quarterback. Does that that make sense? On yeah, your I end? think that checks out. Like, I think Rising is the one that like really can like be the engine for Ludwig's system um, in a way that I'm not sure anybody else can really do for the team. And and you're right. I mean, they've had enough time behind Rising to develop somebody this time around, and the fact that they haven't, I think, is a big concern. Um, I think if there's one really big concern for me for this Utah team going into the season is that they did struggle so much against the pass last year. Um, and when they did tend to get burned, it was often like against teams that could throw the football against them. Um, Clark Phillips is now gone. Like the secondary has yeah. not been really good outside of Clark Phillips for the past couple seasons. That is my concern. I think the front seven, front six, whoever's on the field is going to be fine. I think they're going to be able to stop the run just fine. Um, I'm not convinced. I have this Utah team as they run into the Washington's Oregon's and USC's provided, of course, that like Caleb Williams can stand upright. Like it's could be a little bit of a problem. I mean, like even Arizona, like, I mean, they got Arizona last year in a rainstorm and a five fumble game, but like, otherwise like Arizona is a team that could potentially like cause them problems with their ability to throw the football, particularly like if rising spends any time, part of the time of this year hurt. That's it. Like this Utah team, like you just you you'd rather you'd rather be bad at stopping the run in the Pac-12 than bad at stopping the pass, and you don't want to be the team that is like super quarterback dependent in this league and has the very thinnest of quarterback rooms. But that that yeah. said, like I think it'll be really good. But that was where I was going to go because I think their safeties are going to be fine. Yeah. But the corners are where it does get like that, and that's why I was going to go in on on Utah if if rising is healthy because I mean, I just don't trust Mertz farther than I can throw him. Um, and th- this, this cornerback room is interesting. Like their key player is an Ole Miss transfer who started three games last year. Um, and after that, I don't think they're, I don't think they're all that good. Now they've recruited super well. They have like four guys that are four star freshmen from 2022 yeah. and 2023, but we're going to see them probably if we don't like, if they're on the field, I think that's highlights the weakness in that cornerback position. And, 
that's something absolutely to watch. Like that's the weakness of this team. I still think this team is great. Yeah. Like this is going to be a really fun, awesome Utah team. But if there is a weakness and when you look at this conference at who's going to light them up, there are, <laughs> there are a legion in terms of some of these quarterbacks. It's been a here. while since they had a safety like that was in the first couple rounds of the draft. Right. Like, I mean, and it's been, I mean like they've like, I think that the, um, the rushing defenses have been really good, but they've struggled to get the the passing defense going. I mean, the pass rush going, I should say, too, right? Like, um, they haven't had a defensive lineman that's really been like a guy that you would talk about as like a first five round draft pick in a while either. So, um, I think there's some like I, I think that there's still some improvement. Like, I think as a unit, they're still pretty good, but I mean, overall as a defense, but there are some weaknesses. Let's move over to Colorado, who is a 21 point underdog on the road at TCU. Uh, so I went down, I went down the, the black hole here looking at who on earth is on this team. What, where did they come from? And I am still amazed. Like the, there was a Tennessee transfer that got kicked off of ASU's team like two days ago. And then the next day he's in, he's in full pads, like, you know, you know, giving a war cry on the Colorado feed. I'm like, holy goodness, who knows what's going on here? Um, but before we get into Colorado, let's talk about TCU because they lose a ton from a team that I mean, obviously like, you know, exceeded everybody everywhere, including Sunny Dykes is likely expectations in terms of what they were able to do. Um, but totally different team. And what do we have? What do we have in the horde for I mean, the biggest thing of course, is that they, they not only lose their quarterback, they lose a ton of production. They also lose their offensive coordinator. Who's now the new OC over at Clemson. Um, I really do like the Gillespie hire that he made last season at defense. I think they could be even better than they were defensively. And they return a good amount on the defensive side of the ball. They were at 29 overall in returning production, 70% coming back there. Um, I think Dykes, like the offense is going to be fine ish. They were, they finished last season overall number 18 on offense. Um, I don't know that they're going to be quite at 18 overall again, but like Dykes, Dykes is a good offensive mind on his own. He tends to make really good offensive hires. I mean, the tough part is like trying to figure out, you know, what in the world is Colorado? (laughs) And I think you may have done more work than anyone in trying to figure out who in the world Colorado is coming into this year. Um, But it's a like it is it is truly a really tough one to 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 project and figure out because they there's not like a there's not like a really good. um, I don't have a really good feel for what this Colorado squad is going to be um in this game like tcu should be i mean colorado is i mean tcu is a 25 point favorite in beta rank um beta rank doesn't see all of the changes that happen in Col- i mean all of the changes that have, <laughs> the 50 transfer the 50 tra- i mean like it, it like it takes those in as much as bill Connolly can like put those into the returning production numbers but you also have significant change in the coaching staff like really for the better um so I this is a tough one. Like I, 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 I think TCU is you know couldn't you know really should be the favorite by a lot in this game. But um, it's it's hard. Like I would not put money on this game. Like literally, there was ten returners I think that came back from last season on this Colorado team. It might be a few more than that, but I'm not exaggerating by that much. I think one of the things that is and look, this is tough, right? Because 
you know, some of the reading and then some of the podcasts I was listening to. So you go from um, one podcast where Hithliday is just like dumping on basically what this team's cohesion is to to um, uh, to one of the Homer Colorado podcasts. They're like, we have one of the best wide receiving cores in the Pac-12. I'm like, what? Like, are you kidding me? Like, take a look at what we have here. Um, and and when you when you look at who returns and where they played, right? So Shadur Sanders. Oh, Shadur Sanders, a four-star transfer. Well, he played at Jackson State with, and, and this was a great point that Bud Elliott talks about. He's like, look, Coach Prime made that team by bringing in talent that was significantly better than anybody else in the yeah. conference. So yes, like, and, and and to his credit, he did that. But but now you're playing in a Power Five conference, and when you bring players over, what does that look like? I think I think another point that I'll make on a big picture standpoint is, I know that like Colorado sucked. But so did that coaching staff. Yeah. And when you take a look at what they were recruiting, it wasn't like they were recruiting any worse than Arizona or Washington State or Oregon State. I mean, like, it's not like the play. They, look, they ran off some dead weight and every team has dead weight and there's more <laughs> at Colorado. Yeah. But I, I would say that we're, we're treating this like everybody at Colorado was just sitting around eating pa- like potato chips and like not not practicing it and like had no talent and they were all walk ons. And that's not the, the case. So now they bring in this hodgepodge group of, of players like Alton McCaskill is a, a transfer from Houston who's a pretty good running back. They have Cavassier Smoke who like has a cool name but really hasn't produced very well at Kentucky outside like of his freshman yeah. year. Um, wide receivers, they're bringing in, you know, uh, like Southern Florida and UCF transfers. Like the offensive line is just wild to me, right? You have two Kent State transfers. Uh, a Jackson State transfer, a JUCO, um, a Missouri State not not University of Missouri, a Missouri State transfer. Like, I don't buy it. I don't. I don't. I just do not buy the offensive line just putting it together. I do think that there's some skill talent. Like Travis Hunter is yeah, legit. Travis Hunter is the guy. Um, yeah, yeah, and I think they'll be he able to the, run he the was ball. The top recruit the, in the country. He's gonna play on both sides of the ball, right? Like. But how much is he going to play on both sides? That that's the other thing. Like, yeah, you can't you can't right. run. He can't literally run all game. Yeah. So I think I think you're going to see him at wide receiver, but I think behind him is kind of what you're going to look at more often than not. Yeah. Um, so I just I just don't think this team is going to put up a ton of points. My worry though, like this is a 21 point spread and they're playing TCU. I just TCU lost so much. Yeah. I don't think this is the barometer game. I think the barometer game is like, you know, the next time they play a team that actually has some cohesion. And that's when I think they get punched in the mouth. Um, I will say like, you know, on TCU hired as their OC, they hired Arkansas's offensive coordinator, Kendall Bryles. So they're probably going to run the ball more um, uh-huh. than they did in the past. But like, I mean like that mix of like Dykes's offense with, you know, like with what the Bryles offense was, is like, it's interesting. Like I expect he's like TCU is going to put up some points in this game. Yeah. I just don't know what that defense is. I don't know what TCU's defense is going to be. If it's decent, they cover this. Oh, def- I think if, their defense should be good. Like Gillespie's a really good defensive coordinator. That was a great hire. He was really good at Tulsa for a long time. Um, and then Dykes made that hire. They return a lot on defense and they were only at 29 overall last year on defense. Um, now I do like Colorado's offensive coordinator hire in Sean Lewis, um, who they brought over. He was the head coach at Kent state. Um, I mean, this game could just has like 
potential for dumb all over it if like tcu futzes around and can't figure it out on offense new offensive coordinator pretty much all new personnel practically that kind of thing um that has a recipe for problems um but the flip side of it is like i do think that their defense should largely be able to give colorado fits um in this game i also like i mean i'm just gonna be i'm could not be more fascinated to see like i mean you remember like the mike leach phenomena where like mike leach would just be like yeah th- that was all the players fault you know like when things went bad like it was never his fault <laughs> yeah i'm yeah. just i'm really interested to see how things go and the tone going gets tough in colorado because i like tcu like even if they don't cover those 21 points like they should they should be hit at least 17 yeah, I'm talking myself into taking the points. And, and here's here's the kicker is I don't think Sanders lets this team stop like playing in the first game. But like yeah. there's too much at stake yeah. for him and for this team. I think they try their tails off until the very end. And that opens the door for a backdoor cover. Um, That's true. I, I think that there I think there is a moment where they just get waxed. I don't think it's this game. I think this game gets a little sloppy, a little weird. Um, and they try to save face at the end. So I'll, I'll take Colorado. 21 is a lot. Um, and, I, and I do think that there's some talent here. But keep a lookout for that offensive line. If TCU's all over the place and Sanders like, hey, welcome to the big the big leagues, like that's possible. But if it doesn't happen, then that's, you know, that's interesting. And I'm going to keep that in mind. I'm, I'm going to take TCU. I'm going to do it because I, I like Gillespie. And I think this defense is going to be pretty good. Is, okay. Two more teams here. The air. Oh yeah. Go ahead. No. And as much as I'm like, I'm not a huge Kendall Bryles fan. Like that offense works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And separate the man from the yeah. scheme, I guess, you know, on that stuff. Jeez. Um, all right. Let's get to Arizona here. They play in a, we know what the census was last year. Minus Dorian Singer and more of uh, uh, T McMillan. Who's going to be awesome this year. Um, they basically return almost everybody. Jaden Delora, Mike Wiley. Um, their, their tight end comes back. The wide receiving core, they replaced uh, Dorian Singer with uh, Montana Lamonius Craig, who was pretty good at Colorado. Um, and, and from it's like, look, this line isn't going to be great. And they brought in they brought in a couple people that they think can can really uh, wow. So I think the offense, Rob, is going to be at what it like. There's I don't know, what, what do you think about this? Like, I think it's going to be the same darn thing as it was last year. I really am not going to be surprised. Yeah, I mean, look, the offense finished at 32 last season. Like, I think they're going to improve on that number. Their main weakness was in drive efficiency. They were at 109. So, like, you really want to see them be able to finish drives because they were all big plays last season when they put up points. Yeah. They had a huge run pass split. They were at 14 in effective pass and 82 in effective rush. To your point, like, this is the first time that I think you can go through the Arizona too deep and really on the offensive line and say, like, oh, wow, like, there's actually, it's not as thin. Like, it's not great, but there's, like, guys that this staff brought in and, like, recruited and has developed, right? Um, but we, we should, like, I, we say that, though, like, Jordan Morgan is a likely first or second day pick, right? And that's just not, yeah. like, I mean he's excellent um uh they moved savanea out to the outside out to the right tackle and right tackle for the last couple seasons has been like i mean like you could a mess with capital m you could speed rush arizona's right tackle like (laughs) and everyone knew it um polito i mean they're gonna play some young guys like polito's a guy that like they got he's a four-star that they got off the and a commitment to alabama now like how like 
how like serious that commitment was is a an open question um but like i mean like your guards aren't gonna like are are not like i mean breaking in a guard isn't gonna kill you you know in in college football um i i think that they, like i think their wide receivers should be good i think montana the limonius craig addition in like it doesn't make up for singer who's a remarkably talented player but like it's not bad um and i do think that like their tight end mclaughlin he's not he's like he's like as 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 slightly above average as you could get um i mean like it's like he he does awesome things sometimes and then he sort of disappears from at points in games too um and then burnett like i think is like they there's been a lot of talk out about him in camp i mean i think the biggest thing is and I do think that they have a little more depth at quarterback than certainly they did last year um, with Dorman yeah. there and Fafita, but Delora, I mean, it is, I mean, I, somebody tweeted out some stats about him, like being one of the likes, and you comment on this too, like the sneaky best, like quarterbacks last season. And I was like, Holy crap. What are we talking about? Like, yeah. Jane Delora, like he is all good or all bad. There's no, there's no just like mid Jaden Delora. It is all like you are the highest of highs or the lowest of lows, usually in the same game, (laughs) like maybe even on the same play. (laughs) And, And it's that like if Delora can show some maturity, um, and some of it is like the offensive line can can help him out a little bit too. But if Delora can show some maturity and get the ball out and cut down on the sacks and cut down on the dumb this offense could potentially be in the top 15. Like, I think they're, I think they could be that good. It just depends. Like, I think like this year more than anything is like McMillan's probably going to have a breakout year. Like even with cowing there to take a bunch of catches, McMillan is going to take a bunch of singers catches. <coughs> it's just their, their ceiling is Delora. And I think they're going to run the ball better too, which is like, they have an interesting bunch of running backs. Um, oh yeah. They're, st- they're stacked. Like it was interesting. Um, I was listening to the Colorado podcast and they were talking about like, Hey, we actually have the deepest running back, uh, uh, room in, in the, in the conference. And it's interesting because I was like, Hey, that's not true. There are multiple schools. And second, um, one of them is Arizona. It was interesting. The Hitler day was like, yeah, I I think Arizona would, would, you know, take some umbrage to that. Um, this, this is a, like a legit good room. Like there are too many, there are, and this, (laughs) again, this often doesn't happen with Arizona, but there are, players on this team where you go, why are you still on this team? Right. Usually that's a Utah or not even Utah. That's like an Oregon, a Washington, sometimes a USC right. thing. Like at the, just at the running back position, that's the case at Arizona this year. The one thing that worries me though, Rob, one thing to keep in mind in terms of getting this offense to the top 15 is can they score in the red zone? Yeah. I mean, they couldn't finish. They, do a, they were one Oh nine and they, yeah. they, they could get down the field. They couldn't finish. Yeah. And I think we criticized, uh, um, fish for uh, coach, uh, Jed fish for being too cute in the red yeah. zone. I think he kind of had to be, I don't think they were able to run the ball up, up, up the middle. And that, that was a problem in the red zone. So just something to keep out, uh, an eye out for there. Uh, just switching to the defense real fast. Like I'm not sold, man. No. Like, I just, they, they kept, they kept the same defensive coordinator, which was a mistake. Same thing. I, I, this is the same thing that I, that I have said about USC. I, I put Justin flow and bear Alexander together. Where when you read stories about these ma- these major you know high pedigree players coming to your program and the stories are he's still trying to fi- figure it out he's he's getting settled into the system no 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 you were brought here to start 
and to be the leader of this yeah. this uh, this unit. And that's not the case with Flo. I, I think he might even be beaten out by like a three-star, you know, regular uh, player at Arizona. And Bill Norton, who was the Georgia transfer that that Arizona was was thinking about being like the uh, uh, real anchor. I don't know if he's good. And they lost Keon Bars to USC. Like, yeah. I think the middle of this defense is going to be soft, like soft. Um, and that's a problem. Uh, I, I just, I don't, I don't think, I think this team is going to be what this team was last year with a bad defense and a good offense. <laughs> like, I don't, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's really, I mean, it's really, I think, dip, I mean, like distressing. Like, I think if you're like, if, if you were an Arizona fan, this defense, like not only did they, you know, lose a bunch of guys, I mean, cause they did like Christian Roland Wallace, Kyan Bars all also went to USC. Paris Shand went to LSU um, you know, and yeah, you bring in a guy that, you know, saw the field on special teams for Georgia and Bill Norton. Um, you bring a guy that was like, you know, in many, like, I mean, he, he had a tremendous reputation as a recruit in Justin Flo, but really struggles, you know, like on the actual football field to play within whatever system he is in. Like that is his consistent problem is being able to actually like play within the system. Um, he might get beat out by that uh, former four-star Washington transfer, Daniel Haymuli. Um, I'm probably oh, butchering right. that, but not like the fact that like, and I mean, look, Jacob Manu is like fine. He was like the, he was like the, the, like the, not necessarily like consolation prize. He was like the door prize with that like group of guys that came over with um, Fafita and uh, McMillan. Oh, right? oh that's like, right. Yeah. yeah. He, like he was in that Servite crew. I might have the high school wrong, um, but he's like an undersized guy. He's like, he's got a lot of football smarts, but like the fact that he's still penciled into smart to start, I think is a worry. Now they like Dylan Wyatt. Uh, Stukes has actually been decent. Um, but I have, I mean like the one positive, I mean the one real positive, I think to talk about this Arizona defensive coaching staff is that um, there was a guy recovering from surgery and they found a way to get Dwayne Aquina on field as a coach so he's now helping out so that like i still think that like i still think that defensively they're going to be hamstrung i think johnny manson is the weirdest most quixotic hire in in the power five for a defensive coordinator um now you can maybe make an argument and maybe arizona fans and i've had many of them make this argument to me that he's going to pay off in recruiting and they, they have like a currently have a five-star defensive end from tucson committed so if that actually cashes out then like i mean man talk yourself into it but like i have real concerns like they could not stop the run last year i mean if you're an arizona fan coming in to watch them play nau like not that northern arizona was like some juggernaut last season um in the fcs they were at 43 overall um they were a much better passing team so like if you're an arizona fan and like you did lose to nau in the recent past um like you want to see the pass defense be able to slow them down because they were at 17 and effective pass in the fcs last season they had a decent fcs defense um they were at 42 overall in in on defense last season but like arizona should be able to put up points here so like if you're an arizona fan like you actually do want to watch this game 
to keep an eye on the defense like the defense actually needs to show up this is like what i tweeted out before the um usc game that started tonight is like we're gonna get an idea of what usc's defensive floor is gonna be in this game like we don't know what the ceiling is but we'll have an idea of the floor versus san jose state for arizona this is gonna give you some idea of their floor like you they need to be able to come in and actually like slow down or shut down an fcs offense yeah they score 21 points like it's already it's already baked in it's already baked in like that. That is, it is what it's going to be. It's not going to improve. I mean, it, it will improve, but it won't it, like that floor. I think is kind of, I mean, you're hoping if you're Arizona, but, like you're hoping the fact that like, Oh, well they're going to throw the football around like that'll help you. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. We'll keep a look on that. Let, let's move over to, so the last game of the week is ASU who ends up playing Southern Utah uh, Thursday, actually, this is the earliest game out, outside of what's going on uh, today. Thursday, uh, the 31st at 7 o'clock p.m. on the Pac-12 Network. ASU is very similar to Colorado, where there were so many players that were in and out of the transfer portal. This is a brand new team. Um, and the, the thing that was interesting for me was uh, I had I had Trent Bourget as like Burback, and it's Jaden Rashada. Like that would that was announced yeah. a few days ago. What did you think? What did you think about that? I mean, I think it's really interesting because, like, look, Dillingham can coach, right? Like, um, offense. Now, we didn't love the offensive coordinator hire. <laughs> we sort of like, I'm sort of like, oh, well, Dillingham's still there, so it's probably going to work, right? Like, yeah. uh, off the back of my head, oh, my God, they just scored at San Jose. Just a state just scored a touchdown again. Let's go. Let's uh, go overnight, man, overnight. So, <laughs> anyway, it was a beautiful pass and catch. Like, he laid out and got it in the end zone um i i I mean like starting the freshman like it feels like look i mean dillingham's here for the rebuild man so like if it's close between him and borgay like go with youth because like you might as well season the kid um i'm just i mean to your comments like and i had like you know about rashada like is he that good to where you should be hitching your i mean that's like my concern is like is he like because if he had like look he might have a ton of upside and if he does then like let's get the seasoning begun now right like if he's got a ton of upside maybe you're going to take your lumps this year because you're probably you probably are going to take some serious lumps you know with him because they were now they were 53 on offense last season like now their defense was just a freaking nightmare um but they were at 68 and effective rush, 38 and effective pass. Like, I do think that they like, it's just interesting with Rashada because like, I don't know. I mean, he's, he's mobile enough, but like, it's, it's really hard for me to buy, to buy into this, like really working well over the entirety of the season. I think there are going to be some real rough patches with Rashada. I think he's, I mean, look, I'm not at camp, but from what I have heard with him was, that the offer he got from Florida was ridiculous. It was like a bonkers offer that was yeah. way more than he, than, than a recruit of his caliber should have received. And that was part of the problem, right? That like, so, right. so things started to fall apart with that NIL deal. <laughs> he ends up at Arizona state. Um, the stuff I've read about him in camp is he's a freshman is what I have read about him in camp where he is going to make boneheaded mistakes and he's also going to run around and do some cool things where you're like, oh, smoke. Like, okay, yeah. I, I see it. Yeah. But he is not. He is not somebody that can step in right away and like handle an offense like your five star, your high four star guys. That that's kind of that that's that's where I'm operating from. Um, 
Now it's interesting, like as I as I was I was reading stuff about them and, and like listening about ASU, it's kind of that remember last year where my thesis about or two years ago, my thesis about uh Jimmy Lake was he thought that his offensive line was good because he thought his defensive line was good in practice. Right. And so he's like, yeah. We're gonna run the ball. Right. <laughs> you're like, no, 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 like just everybody sucked. Um I think there might be some of that here at ASU where Cam Scadabo, who was the Sacramento State transfer, um, probably pretty talented. Like, you know, he was he was playing at the FCS level, one of the best transfers out of the FCS, where where there's a lot of reports about he's the truth. He's really good. And then you kind of take a look and see what's going on here in terms of the defensive line is all transfers. Yeah. Um, they had a backup, backup linebacker. Um, they have a, a Washington state transfer that I don't think started last year at line. I just, I get a little worried about what this team actually is when you take a look now in, in all fairness, Jalen Conyers at, at tight end is going to be good. Elijah Badger is going to be good. Giovanni Sanders is decent. Uh, Xavier Gilroy, the Idaho, Idaho state transfer is supposed to be good. So I think actually the wide receiving core is going to be solid, but everything else around there, I start to really worry. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I have real concerns about this defense because they were horrible last season. Um, they finished at 111 in beta rank. You could absolutely put together long drives against them. They were at 118 in effective rush, and they have to patch that up, but they were 83 in effective pass. Like, I think this is like, look, I like the defensive coordinator hire that they made. They got the guy from Washington State, um, but I think it's a multi-year. Like, I think that, like, improvement for them this season is getting into, like, the 70s or 60s on defense. Um, and offensively, like, I could see them tread water a little bit. Like, maybe they get into the 40s, but I don't think they're a 30s offense. The big worry here, Rob, is the safeties. Like, yeah. And if you've played with a team whose safeties are garbage, like, holy Moses. Like, there's just a lot of things that you can throw your head, your, your, pull your hair out on. They're, they're relying on an Austin P transfer and a guy that got pushed out of his starting position last year as their starting safeties this year. And that's a problem. Yeah. Um, and, and, and even on the, even on the cornerback position, like, they're starting to Juco. Um, now he was Juco All American and he started last year. Um, but like after that, I just, man, I think look, look at tight end play, look at some interesting running like schemes and, and look at some stuff in the middle. And I think you're going to, you're going to be able to move the ball against this ASU team. So when they're playing Southern Utah, if they score 28 points. I'm going to be like, wow, oh, that's actually pretty good. I just, my, my expectations for what they can do with Rashada early as he's figuring it out as a true freshman. Um, I think that's going to be interesting. I think on the defense, like, the only flag that that would be raised is like the Southern Utah score like a bunch of points because I don't think they're going to be challenged really that much here. If if, they, if Southern Utah scores like multiple times in this game, holy smokes, like this team's going to be bad. Yeah, the only thing to watch out for is that Southern Utah could throw the ball around a little bit last year. Um, so they were at 39 and effective pass in the FCS. That's not great, but like if they're able to that, like if you're an ASU fan, like you have really big concerns about that defense and like you'd like to see them be able to step up and shut them down. And to your point, like you don't want to see them put up much more than like 10 or 14 points in this game, right? Like if they start to get into the twenties, like you're in trouble. And look, I mean, like we're, <laughs> I feel weird ending the podcast, just dumping on ASU. I think the Dillingham hire is, is interesting. We'll see if yeah. it pans out, but good offensive mind. 
He has his roots in in Tempe, in that Phoenix program, like that Phoenix area. I think recruiting is going to get better. It's, this is just going to be a rocky ride for for them. And so I'm I'm not trying to dump on them like gloating that they're this, but I I do I do anticipate like a three and four, four and eight kind of season, or three and four, you know, three and nine, four and eight type of season because it's his first year and like everybody left. The continuity is bonkers this year. Yeah, I just think it's odd because um, like I think there's a lot of people that have an actual lot of optimism about this asu team for this season um amongst asu fans and i'm not trying to be a jerk i just like i i do think that it's a little bit of a longer road like i think in particular like rebuilding this defense is going to take a little bit yeah give it some time and like if you can legit have a recruiter in phoenix keeping those players at asu holy goodness like now it's never happened so you know it is what it is but I do think that if you can get 50% of that, that's an ASU team that's eight and four that's constantly in bowls and pop up, possibly can pop up and get somebody every two or three years in the conference or whatever. So yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm optimistic about the program. I just am not optimistic about this year, by the way, Zachariah branch. Um, Holy smoke. So like he, we, we talked about him when we did our USC preview yeah. freshman, super fast. This cat has like saved this game for a, for USC. He's gotten like, um, like he's just continues to bring that ball down the field and, and put USC in a position to actually score the ball. So, um, so shouts to him. I'm excited. I want a player like that in the conference, man. It's so fun to get those little guys that are just so fast yeah. and nobody can touch yeah, them. No, like, like he's, he's definitely like, I mean, this USC team is like, a, like, relying on big plays in this game against San Jose State for sure. Oh, very, very excited to see what is in store for him and that team. Rob, anything else to plug as we head into the uh, the end of this podcast? No, I mean, I'm excited for the football season. Like the last ride of the Pac-12, we're going to be here for it, covering it this season. Um, you know, you can check out some preview videos. I didn't get very far this year like I normally do, but that's okay. Um, and it's, it, it's hard in the beginning too, right? Because we don't know what these teams are. So we break them down. It's kind of like, yeah, they're kind of like this, but we don't know. And so as the season, I mean, we talk about this every year, but as the season goes along, man, we're going to have this locked in. Like we, we will know these teams and we will know their strengths and weaknesses right now. It's projections, but, um, but it's still fun to be able to prognosticate. Let's, let's wrap it. <laughs> All right. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. We will catch you next week.